Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. So it's been two years. Let's get into the text, guys. It's been two years of Joseph sitting in prison, waiting for, hoping for, expecting to be delivered at any moment. After all, didn't God orchestrate this opportunity? I'm sure Joseph felt like he was seeing the handwriting on the wall, so to speak. Didn't he give him the insight and the understanding of dreams and how to interpret them? Didn't God make it so that one of Joseph's fellow prisoners would get back in the presence of Pharaoh right after Joseph helped him do so? I mean, look at how providential these events were, just lining up one after another. God had to be up to something on Joseph's behalf. He's been in prison for eight years for a crime he did not commit. And finally, God was moving to make right what was wrong. Amen. Yeah. But the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. And in my mind's eye, I see Joseph initially, right? At the very beginning, being filled with hope and expectation in the moments immediately following when the cupbearer grabbed up his bedroll, dapped Joseph, and said, I'm headed up to Pharaoh's. I'm sure Joseph was like, all right. And then the moments immediately following the cupbearer's release, Joseph probably thought, any minute now, any minute, Joseph probably put his sandals on. I'm about to check up out of here. Let me roll my bed, roll up, get everything. Where's my cup, my ball? Oh, he probably thought, I'm going to be free in just a few minutes. But then, when nothing happened, and he went to sleep that night still a prisoner, Joseph being a good Jewish boy, I'm sure he was disappointed, but he probably rationalized it as as the cupbearer probably just needed some time to kind of get himself cleaned up, get himself straightened up, get a good meal in him, and then get presentable before he could enter into Pharaoh's presence. But surely on tomorrow, the cupbearer, I'm sure that he'll be back at his post and will tell Pharaoh all that I did for him. But when tomorrow comes... I see Joseph jumping up and scrambling to the door, right? Every time he hears a voice or he hears some keys jingling and rattling and, and hears some footsteps thinking, here they come. But again, he goes to sleep as a prisoner. And day after day, night after night, the hope and the expectation that God was up to something begins to fade. Oh, don't get me wrong. Joseph knows the stories of the faithfulness of God. He knows how God delivered Noah, he, how he called his great-granddaddy Abraham out of his land, out of his home, and made a covenant with him. He, he knows that his granddad, Isaac, is the child of promise. He, he, he knows that through him, the whole world is to be blessed. He knows that his own father wrestled with God, even had his name and his walk changed by God. But in this moment, 
as the hours become days and the days become weeks and the weeks become months and the months become years, I've got to believe that just like the father of the demon-possessed boy who was speaking to Jesus in the New Testament, Joseph probably found himself crying out to that same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we all have been where I suspect Joseph is in the text. Oh, yeah, we, we know that God will be a bridge over troubled water. We know that he's a lawyer that's never lost a case. We know that he's a doctor that's never lost a patient. He opens doors that no man can shut, and he shuts doors that no man can open. He can make a way out of no way. He's a hedge of protection. He's my strong tower. He's my rock, my sword, my shield, that no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We are more than conquerors. Can't nobody do me like Jesus, but it can still seem like we've been forgotten. And this brings me to my very first takeaway, and that is just because we think God is moving doesn't mean that he is. And just because we think God isn't moving doesn't mean that he isn't. <laughs> when we think that God is moving, what we usually mean is that things are starting to unfold how I would like them to unfold. And vice versa, when we think he isn't moving, it usually means that things aren't unfolding like I want them to unfold. This can't be God. But we should keep two things in mind. These are things that you know, but again, this is just to remind us. I'm not going to drop anything deep, super spiritually deep on you. You know this already. Here's things we should keep in mind. The one is that God is intentional and he's purposeful. Sometimes we think of God's sovereignty and we think, okay, well, God has all power. He can do whatever he wants to. And so he's just a bully. Just arbitrarily. Pete, go over here. Now come on back over here. Now jump down. Now jump back. You see what I'm saying? And if we're honest, we all kind of think like that. Yeah, we don't say it, but it's the way we respond to things that happen in our lives. Right? But we forget sometimes that with that sovereignty, we talked about this in, in Sunday school this morning, with that sovereignty actually comes rightness. He knows what's best. It's not just that he, can, he has the power and the right to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it, but what he wants to do when he wants to do it is the right thing to do. Yeah, chew on that. Yeah. So he's, he's not arbitrary. He's not just jerking us around. He's up to something. He's being intentional. He's being purposeful with how things are unfolding. He, there's a rhyme and a reason to the stuff that he does. And two, because I think I, I know where you're going. You're thinking there's a rhyme or reason to the stuff that he does. He's intentional. He's purposeful. But I can't always see that rhyme or reason. I can't, I can't discern his intent or his purpose. The second thing you should remember is that his ways are not our ways. And that his thoughts are not our thoughts. 
Yeah. And I think we're familiar with that verse, so familiar with that verse that we really forget what it's saying. What it's saying is, is that when you think you know what he's up to, you don't know what he's up to. And when you think you know what he's thinking, you don't know what he's thinking. Why is it? Well, because he's got, no. The reason is because the only frame of of reference we have is ourselves. So what do we end up saying? Well, I just wouldn't have done it like that. I just don't understand how God could, right? That puts me at the center. I'm the standard now by which God's actions are judged, right? That's like the kindergarten (laughs) student who don't know how to read nothing, criticizing how the teacher is teaching them how to read. Well, I wouldn't have put an apple on that. I think a better description of what the A sounds. What are you talking? You didn't even know. An A, but it's the same thing, right? And so what we do is we have a tendency when we move through these seasons to say, here's how I think it should play out. Here's what I think should happen. And unless, think about this, unless God comes at this situation in this way, he must not be moving. Because here's how I believe it should be resolved. Scripture reminds us his ways are not your ways. And his thoughts are not your thoughts. The other reason why it's good that his thoughts are not our thoughts because at the center of our thoughts is us. So every situation I find myself in, I'm trying to define it and understand it in terms of me. What does this mean for me? What is this God trying to do in me? What is he trying to do? Whatever Karen said once before several years ago that God kind of helped her see that is that I might be using you to do something for somebody else. So just mm, and go, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, just get in line. But when I try to define everything in terms of me, it limits all the outcomes, right? It, it, it has to benefit me. So God, what are you up to? Those kinds of things. So after these two years, let's get back to the text. After these two years, Pharaoh has two dreams. One about fat and skinny cows and one about healthy and unhealthy ears of grain. Um, and we're not going to go through those, but he wakes up, and the text says that he was troubled in his spirit. And he calls for all of the magicians, and he calls for the wise men of Egypt to tell him what these dreams could possibly mean, but they couldn't do it. All his magicians, all of his wise men throughout all of Egypt brought in, doesn't say that they didn't try, but they couldn't do it. Couldn't tell him what it meant. And then it's at this moment, right? <laughs> at this moment that the cupbearer, oh, oh, yeah. I remember what I was supposed to remember. Huh. He remembers, right, his experience in prison with Joseph. And, 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 and now, clearly, there is something spiritual happening here, right? God is prompting the cupbearer to remember now Two years later, what presumably happened moments before, two years ago. So we know there's something spiritual happening here. But I also think that in the moment, kind of in the physical, that what triggers his memory is this familiar pattern. Do you see it? There's this pattern that he's experiencing again, kind of like a deja vu a little bit. He says, oh, there's a dream that's troubling. 
and that needs to be explained. This is the same thing, the same pattern that Pastor talked about in chapter 40 when Joseph sees the baker and the cupbearer who have just had a dream. They're troubled by that dream and he engages with them because they, they don't understand what it is and he provides an explanation. And so we see a familiar pattern coming through for Joseph and for this cupbearer. And it all comes flooding back now to the cupbearer's mind about what it is. And, and Pharaoh then sends for Joseph. The call is two years later than Joseph would have liked it. But we're going to see that it was right on time. Two years later, but right on time. So they clean up Joseph, they get him presentable, they bring him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says to Joseph, look man, I just had a dream. No one could tell me what it means, but my cupbearer just told me about you and that you can give interpretation of dreams. Now, it is important to check out Joseph's response in verse 16. Look at it, look at it, look at it. It says, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. And God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Huh. Now, let's deal with that a little bit because you may be thinking a favorable answer. What does that mean? Like he's going to get what he wants? I, I don't think that's what is being said. I think favorable answer is, is your, your question is what does the dream mean? The answer is, is God's going to tell you what it means. Now, now, whether or not it's a good outcome, those kinds of things, that's not what's get, what, what Joseph is getting at here. But he says, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer, full stop. That's all. You mean to tell me, Joseph Askins, that after eight years in prison for a crime you didn't commit, then another two years of hoping and thinking that any day now you were going to get out of prison, that when you do finally get your freedom and you get before Pharaoh in the presence of the dude that forgot about you and left you high and dry and you're finally able to speak up and to speak out on your own behalf that you don't plead your case, you don't go after Potiphar's wife and talk about how you've been wrongly accused. You don't point a finger at the cupbearer and say, and this dude. But instead, you display humility and reverence for God. This brings me to my second takeaway, and that is that sometimes... <laughs> When we've been going through seasons of silence and darkness, and then it begins to look like, <laughs> it begins to look like the clouds are beginning to break and that the sun is now starting to peek through, that some of us, not maybe anybody in here, but some of us have a tendency to start talking big. Yeah, when you was in the valley, you was all in sackcloth and ashes and, 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 and you was weeping and, 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 and <laughs> gnashing of teeth in the valley. But now that you think you're starting to head up the mountain, you now start addressing your haters and, and, and how they thought they had you and how they tried to take you out. And, and the devil, he tried to steal your blessing, but you stomped on his head and, and you know how y'all do. Hmm. But instead, right? When it seems like the winds are starting to blow in a different direction in our circumstances, when it looks like some rays of sun are starting to peek through the darkness, instead of us giving airtime to our haters and to the devil, we would do well to remember 
that as things begin to change, that we should stay humble. We should recognize that God is at work and just see what he's up to. Instead of getting ahead of him and declaring it's the year of a jubilee. <laughs> so Pharaoh, right? He tells Joseph his dreams and Joseph then begins to break them down to Pharaoh. And Joseph, uh, this, is, this is interesting. I don't know if you picked up on this in careful reading, but not only can Joseph interpret the dream, but by God's power, he's even able to provide context for the dreams. Right? He, it's one thing to say, here's what the fat cow means, here's what the skinny cow means. But Joe goes on, or Joseph goes on and he says, look, uh, when, 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 Pharaoh, you need to understand that the fact that you had two dreams that these aren't necessarily two separate dreams. They're communicating the same thing. This is context for the dreams. And, and that, that God is showing Pharaoh, this is what Joseph tells Pharaoh, what he is about to do. God is giving you a peek into his sovereign uh, 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 hands of provision and providence of what is about to happen. And the fact, Pharaoh, that you had two dreams means that these things are definitely going to happen. So you go from, get this now, right? This is, this is awesome because you go from uh, wise men and magicians who can't even tell you what the dream means to now this guy who not only can interpret the dreams, but actually gives you a context for which the dreams set in. Not only is this what it means, Pharaoh, but let me tell you something else about what God is telling you. But he's communicating to you. And, 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 and this may seem like just an interesting fact or, or a, a, a novel kind of detail, but I think what's happening here is that God is leaving absolutely no room for any doubt that Joseph is his man, that Joseph is filled with his spirit, and, and he's able to do completely and comprehensively what all of those others, the magicians and the wise men, could not do for Pharaoh. But then, Joseph, in verse 33, he shows his wisdom and his cunning, I believe, because all Pharaoh asked for was interpretation of the dream. Just tell me what these dreams mean. But Joseph keeps going. He keeps talking. He keeps explaining. And, 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 and he begins to then provide Pharaoh with what Pharaoh didn't ask for. Pharaoh wanted interpretation. Joseph gives him application as well. And what do I mean? What I mean, well, Pharaoh had information. Joseph had given him what the dreams meant. Uh, he now knew what the images were and what they represented, but he didn't necessarily know what to do with that information. And so Joseph now lays out a strategic plan that will address the soon coming grain famine issues that Egypt is going to face. But he adds in one critical detail. He tells Pharaoh, he says, look, Pharaoh, you need a discerning and wise man to be Egypt's supply chain manager. That's what he tells them. I've told you what the dreams mean. I've explained to you that they're certain that they're going to happen. I, I'm telling you that God intends for these things to come to pass. And here's what's going to be the fate of Egypt. And here's what you need to do, Pharaoh, in response to this dream. But notice this, notice this, 
Joseph doesn't get ahead of himself. He doesn't get presumptuous about what God is up to. And he just goes on, or he doesn't go on, rather, to anoint himself as that person. And in doing so, I think he accomplishes a couple of important things. First, he stays, see this now, he stays in a posture of trusting God. He doesn't say, okay, God, I see where you're heading. I got it from here. You've opened this door for me to be this person, and now I'm going to grab hold of it and take it by the reins. He doesn't do that. Secondly, I think what he accomplishes as well is that he doesn't try to force Pharaoh's hand. Think about this. Joseph has the interpretation. He definitely has the gift and the skills and the talent, but not 30 minutes ago, Joseph was in prison. And I don't think he would presume to now tell Pharaoh, you need to appoint me as, as the person. Who, who are you? Yeah, you gave me uh, interpretation, but that's awfully presumptuous, Joseph. Right? And he doesn't try to force his hand. He doesn't do like some of us would do, right? We would say, hey, Pharaoh, uh, here's the interpretation of the dream. I know what you need to do, and I uh, will tell you if you make me the person. We negotiate that thing. That's what LinkedIn says you should do. <laughs> you should negotiate that thing. Pharaoh likes what he hears from Joseph, right? He even likes the plan. Get this, right? And in verse 38, he asks, if there is anybody anywhere who is filled with the Spirit of God like Joseph. <sighs> Think about that. Hold on, family. Let's just camp out there for a minute. It's one thing to be operating in seasons of blessing and people to say, man, the spirit of the Lord is operating in you, Brother Charles. It's another thing to have been in prison for 10 years for something you did not do and God's spirit still be visible. Let me tell you something. Some of us sit at a traffic light for 10 minutes, and we done thrown God's spirit on out the window, let alone. You see what I'm saying? Let alone. May a testimony be said of us, man. And then <laughs> Pharaoh goes on, and he appoints Joseph as that discerning and wise man. Not because Joseph negotiated, not because Joseph suggested, but because Joseph was just obedient. And in his obedience, God presents him as a discerning and a wise man. This brings me to my third takeaway, and that is that God's timing is perfect. Oh, let me tell you, that's hard, hard to hear sometimes. Consider this, right? Had the cupbearer mentioned Joseph's abilities to Pharaoh two years ago, when he first got back into Pharaoh's presence, Pharaoh most likely would have been like, so what? I got all kinds of magicians and wise men throughout Egypt that give me counsel on dreams. Why do I need another one, let alone one that's in prison, right? 
But it isn't until Pharaoh has dreams that trouble him. Dreams that trouble him that none of those other magicians and uh, wise men can interpret on his behalf. It's not until then that the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And at this point, Pharaoh is now incentivized to call for Joseph. Yes, because I've got a pressing reason to bring Joseph out of the pit. As a matter of fact, the text says that when the cupbearer told Pharaoh about Joseph, that they went and brought him out of prison quickly. (laughs) What he had to wait for two years happened quickly when God said it was the right thing. Can I leave you with this? Uh, This is an important thing, I think, is is that God is not so concerned with time as much as he is concerned with timing. Yeah. We're concerned with time. God, I need it by boom. <laughs> I know you can do it. I know you can do it however you want to, when you want to, in, in any way you want to, but I need it boom right now. And we say he may not come when you want him, but he's right on time, but we tell him, but God, that time is... I'll tell you what right on time is, right? But I think what we get, again, remember the intro is that this is less about formula. This doesn't, I'm not telling you that you're going to be in your season for 10 years. I don't know what God is going to do. But I think the principle is, is that God is less concerned about the time. He's more concerned about the timing, What's happening in that timing season? And there's stuff happening in us. There's stuff happening in other people. There's all kinds of things that are happening that God is up to. That if he were to move too soon, stuff wouldn't be in the right place. If he were to wait too late, stuff wouldn't be in the right place. I think uh, a verse that, that uh, proves this out is where it says, at the precise right moment, Jesus <laughs> was born into the world. I don't know what would have happened if he came a little sooner. Don't know what would have happened if he came a little later. All I know is, is that the sovereign God of all the universe of everything, of all creation, looked and said, now. Now is the right time. Precisely the right time. Continue on. Verse 46 tells us that Joseph is now 30. When he starts serving Pharaoh, it's been 13 years since his brothers sold him into slavery. Ten of those years, as we said, he spent in prison for a crime that he did not commit. And by all appearances, even the officials seem to at least acknowledge that, yeah, you're not really guilty, but we got to do this. Man. <laughs> but now at 30, he is second in command to Pharaoh. Think about that, right? And what does he do? Does he get his revenge list together? <laughs> right? Does he, does he go down the list and, and send messages now on, on Pharaoh's letterhead scroll saying, yeah, you didn't treat me good then, but guess what now? No. Joseph, it says, he gets busy. He gets to work and he begins to execute the plan that delivered him from prison. And, and we even find out that Joseph, he's not stuck. Hear what I'm saying now. I'm not saying that he doesn't look back and say, man, that was a tough time. I'm not saying that he doesn't look back and say, man, that was hard what I had to 
endure. I'm not saying that if he thinks long enough about it, that some of those old feelings might can bubble back up. But what we see, right, is that he moves on. It says he gets married. And in verse 50, we see that he ends up having two sons. And he names them, get this, the names that he gives them doesn't reflect where he's been. They reflect where he is. Do you see that? Verse 51, look at it. His oldest son's name is Manasseh. It means God has made me forget all my hardship in all my father's house. What are you saying, Joseph? You, you don't even remember what happened? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that it's not sticking in my side. A constant reminder, right? It's not always there, forefront of my mind. Manasseh, God has made me forget. And then he has a second son, and he names this son, verse 52, Ephraim, whose name means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And you might think there's some tension in there. You're like, wait a minute, uh, Elder Wright, you said that, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, he's forgetful and he's fruitful because of what God is doing in his life and that he's not always thinking about it, but his son's name is, is, is uh, being fruitful in the land of my affliction. Look, God moving you through doesn't mean you forget where you've been. Joseph recognizes that he is there because his brothers sold him into slavery. He does not have a rosy image or picture of his actual situation. But what he recognizes even over and above that is that what his brothers did did not stop what, his, what God did and was able to do. And so we see him. He says, look, I, I'm forgetting all my hardship that's at my father's house, and God has made me fruitful in this land of infliction. And this brings me to my fourth and final takeaway. And that is that when God delivers you, however that looks, when that happens, execute the plan that he gave you. Come out of the pit, come out of that season, and do what it is that he has placed upon your heart to do. Do not come out of that season executing your own plan. God, I appreciate it. Thank you. Ah, I got this now. I got some retribution and some heartache to hand out. I got some, <laughs> some, some selfies of me living my best life now. I need to post. Lord, help us. Don't start airing your grievances. Don't start settling your scores. But do the thing that God has set in front of you to do. Can I help you out? We cannot get back the years that we may have spent in the pit. I, I know there's some folks, they might not be preaching and telling you that. I'm telling you that those years in the pit are years in the pit, right? Just a moment of transparency. Some of you know I went through a period of, of uh, being laid off from, from work before I moved into some other roles. But even before that, some of you don't know, is, is something happened at work that was a quality issue, and I got, I got blamed for it. I was the plant manager, and I was over the plant that it happened in, and I ended up getting demoted. Hmm. And with that demotion came a whole lot of things, Brother Charles, but one of the things that came is less salary, 
less benefits, less all that, that fancy stuff that you get when you get to a certain level within an organization. That got taken away. And for a long time after that, right, I would, I would be, oh, I'd be ate up about what I lost. I'd be ate up about where I could be now, Pete. <laughs> and, and, and even as the Lord was moving me through that, and I thought I was doing pretty good, anytime money got a little tight in the household, I'd be right back there again. This wouldn't even be an issue if. <laughs> if only I'd be making this by now, and I'd be on, you see what I'm saying? And, and, and praise God that I have Karen as my wife because when I get going in that path, she reaches out and she pulls me back and she says, yeah, but think about what God gave you instead. Right? She starts helping me to, to, to forget the hardship and to remember the fruitfulness that God provided me in that land of affliction. You might think, well, Charles, wait a minute. You said you lost money. I can't think of nothing that replaces money. Yeah. But let me tell you what he did. He gave me time back. Yeah, I didn't realize how much time that was sucking from me. Look, y'all don't know this, but I'd wake up sometimes and I'd have indentions in my fist because I was clenching my fist at night. Stress had me ate up. I was grinding my teeth and clenching. You know, I've had headaches and all these things. And, and when he took that away from me, it, it hurt. But he was healing. And every now and then, right, I find myself lamenting those years, wondering what if, where could I be? But what God gave me and what Karen helped me see is that, look, I can't regain those years. I can't, no matter, and, and look, I, I would be a fool to try to now work double hard Ain't he delivered me from that? Now I'm going to go right on back into Egypt, skipping. Right? Tell me, y'all got some bricks y'all need me to make? Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> kind of moving in that direction. But here's what he gave me instead, and I pray that this helps somebody. God said, look, you cannot redeem, or you cannot go back and, and get the years that are lost in the pit. But what you can do is you can redeem the time that is in front of you. Man, what does that mean? What that means, right, is that I need to get busy to say, okay, God, that happened. Yeah, it was painful. Yeah, there's some things that in my mind I lost out on. But guess what? You have me here on the other side. What is it you want me to be busy about doing now? It's, it's an interesting thing. I talked to some people who still work for the company that I worked for at that time, and, and this isn't about uh, the company at all, but I can hear it in their voice. They're like, man, I'm traveling here and there. I'm all over the place, and it's this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, I work from home every day. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. This isn't, this, again, this isn't, I'm, I'm, being, I'm trying to be so transparent that we think we know what we want, and we think we know what's best for us. But God is the one who actually says, you, you don't even know what will satisfy you. So much so that you're hanging on so tight to this thing that when I take it from you, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt because I'm hanging on so tight to it. When I take it from you, it's going to hurt. But I'm going to give you something instead. 
that's going to satisfy you more than what you were trying to cling on to hurts. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. Every now and then I think, boy, it'd be nice if we could just write a check, pay a blah, blah, blah. But I get quickly back to, but you know what? Right now, I don't even know where my cell phone is. Before, my cell phone was on my hip because they could call any moment. But now, right, I'm redeeming the time. God is using this time to execute the plan that he had in place. If we would do that, we would find that by God's power, we can forget the pain. We can forget the hardship. We can forget the frustration and the disappointment. I'm not saying you act like it didn't happen. I'm not saying that it's not still impactful and moving, but it won't be right there. You can't see anything but it. God will help you forget that, and then he'll start creating fruitfulness in this new season. Amen? Amen. Look, that's all that I got for uh, chapter 41 next week. Pastor will be back, and he'll take us on through chapter 42. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.